Hello and welcome to the Resound Worship Songwriting Podcast. I am Joel Payne from Resound Worship. I'm Sam Hargreaves from EngageWorship.org. And this is a podcast to inspire and equip grassroots songwriters who are serving their local church. And each episode we'll be dissecting a classic song. Uh, we'll be improving our songwriting craft in the workshop section. We'll be including interviews and guest presenters. And we'll be responding to your tweets and emails. So do get in touch with your comments and your questions. Sam, it's good to see you over the Skype airwaves. You appear to be in a shed. What's going on? I am indeed in a disused cow shed uh, in rural Sweden. Nice. Um, yeah, well, obviously, you know, isn't everyone in a cow shed in Sweden? I tried to get a really good venue here. but <laughs> Yeah, I'm currently living with my um, in-laws. Uh, my wife and I are living in Sweden and we are, um, well, I was looking for a place to uh, record this and it turned out this has the best wi-fi of the whole farm and the lowest noise so unless a tractor comes crashing through the door um i'm in a cow shed at the moment it's only in sweden isn't it that cow sheds are equipped with wi-fi yeah it's that it's that mix of rural idyll and technological genius that's that's sweden lovely basically. so what have you been up to in sweden sam as i said we work for engageworship.org and so we're creating resources for churches um we're starting to write a book and we're putting stuff out on our website um but also i used to work for london school of theology and i'm going back there as a guest lecturer in a few weeks so depending on when you listen to this um it's actually the 16th and 17th of october 2015 and um i'm doing a songwriting intensive which is a course that Geraldine Luce used to be Geraldine Latte, yeah. and I have taught for about four or five years now. She's a resound songwriter as well. And um, yeah, we sort of used to do it over like a term and then we've decided to squidge it down into one weekend uh, intensively, which is great because it means that we can have students come from the outside and join us as well as the kind of regular LST degree students. Yeah, I've heard Geraldine sometimes write songs in the middle of teaching how to write songs. Exactly, yeah. We'll just in the, suddenly in the middle of a class, she'll be like, right, so someone throw out an idea or let's, who's got a chord progression? And yeah, we'll just start doing it in the middle of a thing. So it's, it's great. Brilliant. We love Geraldine. And I um, have heard that you have the granddaddy of modern worship coming on the Friday night. Dun, 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 dun. Yes, I don't think he likes granddaddy. Does he not? Uh, <laughs> but I think he quite likes the father of modern worship songs. Uh, yeah, Mr. Graham Kendrick. Uh, we are so, so happy to have him. Uh, he's just brilliant and I think the thing about Graham that really strikes me is that he is still writing great songs he is you know still pushing creative boundaries mm. but he's also he seems to me like somebody who wants to kind of secure his legacy in terms of um, passing it on to other people yeah so whenever I've seen him you know he's 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 so happy and so generous to kind of give away his ideas and to share and to kind of turn up at things with you know, little old worship songwriters and, you know, get involved. It's on the 16th, the Friday night, he's going to come and play some songs. I think the other thing I really like about Graham is that he seems to, not every worship songwriter is good at talking about being a worship songwriter. Yeah. And occasionally I've heard people and gone, you're a great songwriter, but you don't know how you do it, do you? Yeah, yeah. And Graham's not like that. He can actually say, no, this is my craft and this is how I improve things and this is how I get inspired and, so he's he's definitely worth hearing and um yeah it's going to be a great weekend so yeah. I've definitely heard him do stuff and then I've put into practice some of the things that he does mm. um so 
Yeah, brilliant. Well, this has been GrahamKendrickFans.com, so Amen. you can join us next next time. Uh, good. Well, what have I been up to? I've been... Uh, well, a few things we've done in the last few weeks, actually, we've resound. We worked a bit with Engage um, doing a video for Ben Atkins' song, You're a Refuge, because it just seemed to fit so well with what's going on with the refugee crisis at the moment. So that's been brilliant. Mm. Giving that away, asking people to donate money to different organisations. I've been really pleased to be able to do something like that. The other big thing I've been working on is the Christmas concert pack, uh, which has just got out there. So that's exciting. We've already sold one in Canada and in Australia and in New Zealand. So it's very popular around the world. So I'll tell you a bit more about that later on. Um, And talking of Christmas... That is our theme today. Sam, this is your idea. Why on earth are we talking about Christmas now? I hope that in post-production you're going to add some jingle bells at that point. Yeah. Um, Well, I think, firstly, that it's never too early to start thinking about Christmas. Um, When I've worked for a church, I have started thinking about it in June. uh, And honestly, I don't think that's too early because the other thing about Christmas is it's such a great opportunity. Both people are willing to kind of throw their weight behind a you know, a project and and come and rehearse or be part of an orchestra or a choir or whatever. Um, But also in terms of people coming in, it's an open goal for kind of welcoming people into your church. Mm. Um, And also I think in terms of worship as well, there is a, there's a bit of a lack of songs that don't just tell the story, but actually help you worship. So Yeah. yeah, yeah, I think for all those reasons, and this is about, we're trying to connect with grassroots songwriters here, and this is about you trying to write something that your church could sing, which kind of ha- reflects your unique voice in that place, or your unique experiences, but connects with that kind of timeless story, isn't it? So- yeah, absolutely. And I think, um, for me, I've written a couple of songs that are on the Resound website, uh, but I've written a lot of other Christmas songs that aren't on there, and they've just really been for my church at that time in that place. Um and so I think, you know, we'll probably say this at other times in the podcast, but don't just write a song thinking, will this travel up the CCL charts? Yeah. Um, I think this is an opportunity to write a song that fits your congregation where it's at right now. Yeah. And, you know, whether or not it gets anywhere else is not really that important. So we're going to move on to Dissector Classic. Sam, I've had an idea for a little theme tune jingle for this. I thought it could go, Yeah. Dissector Classic. What do you think? I think Mr. Kendrick might come round and ask for some CCL for that one. <laughs> he might do. <laughs> uh, and we're going to, so actually, talking of CCL, what we'll generally try and do actually is work through the list. There's a top 25 list of the most popular songs in the UK. Uh, and that's a great place to go because really those are the modern classics. You don't get into that list without being a modern classic. However, it's not packed with Christmas songs. So we thought this time instead we're going to go a bit more retro and we're going to talk about an absolute classic, uh, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. We're going to um, just have a talk through uh, basically what makes this song work because we reckon that looking at uh, different songs that clearly do work we can learn some things from them we can't really mimic them we can't repeat what they've done necessarily but they're always good although things. people do try don't they they do yeah it's <laughs> particularly yeah <laughs> nick a line here and there absolutely i certainly have um heart the herald angels sing so um let's get well i did a, i did a little bit of research on this um and i thought some of this was quite interesting so maybe i'll throw this in first and then we start looking at yeah. the song so it's written by charles wesley obviously very famous charles wesley one of the fathers of modern Methodism. 
Um, and um, interestingly, his opening line originally was, Hark how all the welkin rings, glory to the king of kings. So those people that argue that you should never update a, a hymn, yeah, they're, they're still singing Hark how all the welkin rings, are they? Not, not even welkin, Sam, it's welkin, W-E-L-K-I-N. I think that means... Yeah, I think I mean something in Swedish. I'm sure I, I think I a Swedish word. Hark how all the welkin rings, glory to the king of kings. And it was king of kings, not newborn kings. So newborn kings. So what happened was um, George Whitfield, who is another guy who's around the same sort of time, good friend of the Wesleys, uh, he adapted the opening line to what we have today, which is Hark the herald angels sing glory to the newborn king. Oh, even even in that time, to- even in Wesley's time. Yeah, even in Wesley's already... time. Yeah, That's I'm... interesting, isn't it? Well, what's even more interesting is that Wesley wasn't happy, <laughs> but he did it anyway. That never happens today either. <laughs> no, I don't think so. Um, so, And it used to have, uh, the original, uh, well, Wesley wanted it to have quite a sort of solemn, slow um, melody, not like the kind that we, we sing it to now, and it also had ten four line verses rather than the um, rather than the ones we have today. I found one of the. I mean, it's. I mean, we can enjoy analysing this because it's just such incredible writing. Here's one of the verses that didn't make it in. Adam's likeness, Lord, efface. Stamp thy image in its place. Second Adam from above, reinstate us in thy love. <sighs> isn't it? Oh, come on! Isn't it good? That's doesn't great. it feed your soul? Lovely. It's really good. So Wesley didn't have a chorus either. Um, and basically the chorus came along when um, another chap who's very uh, famous, Mendelssohn, Felix Mendelssohn, wrote a tune. He wrote it for something else. And then somebody else called William Cummings came along. So that fits really well with Hark the Herald Angels Sing. In fact, Mendelssohn, he thought his tune wasn't really appropriate for sacred music. I don't know for whatever reason. So mm. he'd kind of, he pigeonholed it and said, no, I'll leave it, I'll use it for something else. And then this other chap. So it kind of came together. Um, and then, of course, the most famous version of it that we probably have now, certainly in the UK, is the David Wilcox Descant. Mm, so that's yeah. David Wilcox, who he died very recently, uh, used to be the Master of Music in King's College, and amongst other things. So that's that's kind of a little bit of the history of the hymn. And um, we're going to just kind of dive into why do we think it works? What do we think is good about it? So I'm going to say my first point about this, let's not call it hymn, let's call it a song, because let's think of it as a song is it marries great theology with great poetry with great music. I mean, yeah. great isn't even a strong enough word, actually. It's excellent theology, it's excellent poetry, and it's excellent music. And interestingly, it took more than one person to make all of that happen. It was yes. a, you know, one guy started it, someone else came along with some music, and actually somebody else worked on it to put the two things together. Yeah, I agree. I think that's that's it's really interesting, isn't it? That uh, had... I don't know, Wesley put his foot down and said, no, absolutely not, and I'm going to send my lawyers around. Yeah. Uh, then we wouldn't have had Whitfield's adaptation. Yeah. And, so, you know, if, if if Wesley had come back from the grave and, you know, bonked Mendelssohn on the head and said, no way can you put that tune to this, yeah. um, we just, you know, we wouldn't have it today, and it, Christmas would be very different without Hark the Herald Angels Sing. So, um, yeah, it's definitely an argument for for collaboration and also for adapting things. I know we're probably getting into slightly dodgy legal territory, but I kind of think that, mm, yes, there's there's an argument there for for the adaptation of things in different times and places and, 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 you know, continuing to be creative with some of this material. So let's have a look. Let's think about it musically. 
Um, I picked out a couple of things. I know you've picked out a couple of things. One of the things that struck me was the melody of the verse. All the strong notes. They're like the sort of the harmonics. It's like a bugle tune. It's there's something almost a little bit military. Um, stately, royal about it, mm. which gives it this kind of grandness. Um, it also makes it really singable. But then when you get to the second section, it starts to flow all by step. And then suddenly there's a real sort of, there's a lovely exhaust valve there. Where if you just do this thing, the harmonics, just the, the kind of harmonic series, it gets pretty boring. Yeah. And then it kind of casts, it hits the top and cascades downwards, doesn't it? Yeah, I was thinking that, I mean, we, I remember we do this in, you know, with choirs at Christmas and my wife, Sarah, she always says, right, when it gets to the joyful, and the tenors have to go in the four-part range, nations, and they just got that one banging note yeah. all the time. And she says, you know, don't just monotone that, make it like trumpets blasting out. And so yeah. that's a really powerful moment. But then it, what interests me is then it goes higher again. So you're on the yeah. fifth there, joyful, and that's sort of that sixth note really sort of feels like it takes you over the top again with the angelic um and then i didn't i don't even know if i've noticed this before but it does that um with angelic hosts proclaim christ is born in bethlehem and then actually what we think of as the sort of refrain or the chorus is just almost of a bait and repeat of what you've just sung before it is isn't oh, it? Yeah. so lyrically you're then sort of repeating the first two lines of the whole thing but musically yeah. you're repeating the last two lines of the verse it's it's quite an interesting thing because i guess what that does is as a singer is you feel really confident in it because you've just literally sung it you've sung those words already uh, and it makes that chorus you know people you know no matter what what their churchmanship no matter what their belief almost in the christian faith if you play that on christmas eve they're gonna they're gonna sing it confidently looking a little bit at the lyrics and there's some stuff about the i noticed some things about the structure i mean it would just take too long to sit here and analyze every line and and what it does there's some beautiful poetry there's the way each um the couplets belong together um and Joyful all ye nations rise, join the triumph of the skies. It rhymes, but it belongs together. You just find that mm. time and time again throughout it. But one of the things that, that I like is the way that... Um, uh, who was it wrote it again? Wesley. <laughs> is the way that... Well, it's up for... Uh, who knows? <laughs> um, it's the way that Wesley... He uses repetition sometimes. So you find it particularly at the beginning of verse 2. Christ by highest heaven adored. Christ the everlasting. It's a really strong use of repetition. The same yeah. in verse... Three, hail the heaven-born prince of peace, hail the son of righteousness. And sometimes when you're writing songs, repetition is a really bad thing because you just use the same word in two consecutive lines, but but definitely not deliberately. It just sort of creeps in. And that's yeah. sort of weak writing, isn't it? Whereas this, born that man no more may die, born to raise the sons of earth, born, it's so strong using that rep. It's a mm. great little device for giving a song structure and really emphasising something, isn't it? Yeah, I agree. The other thing I noticed about the language was um, how often it's like an invitation. So even that first line, hark, you know, listen, listen to the herald angels sing. Um, yeah. Joyful all you nations, rise, join the triumph. And then as you go yeah. through into um, you proclaim to verse two, behold, see, hail. And then verse three, starting hail, hail. 
And so, you know, that's one device that a songwriter could use is uh, you've got a song, Joel, um, Come See the Son of the Living God. And every verse is come see the, come see the. Hmm. And I think it's it's a little bit subtle, but actually as somebody listening to that, you you get a sense of, oh, I'm being asked to join in with this. Um, Yeah. And it is telling, it's kind of telling the story and it's telling actually a lot of theology you know you've got the incarnation here you've got you know all all sorts of theology uh, as well going on within but it's it's not told in a kind of just like an essay you know christ died he was the incarnation second person of the trinity you know it's actually in a in a really um involving way what about okay so it's i mean it's no doubt there's absolutely no doubt this is a classic it has lasted for hundreds of years um so there's no danger here we're going to (laughs) dissect it a little bit further because what are the what are the weak points? I mean, what would you improve when you look at this? Do you dare to suggest? Well, see, we might get emails about this one. I don't know, um, but I personally, I mean, and, and this is a this is a not an issue of um, you know in in Wesley's time necessarily, but today we, in general language, don't use exclusive terms, so. For me, born that man no more may die, uh, born to raise the sons of earth, I would go with the kind of um, the inclusive language there. So I think we sing born to raise us from the earth, born to give us second birth. Mm. Um, So and you have to be a little bit careful because pleased as man with men to dwell well jesus was literally a man a man a hu- yeah. you know a male man so i think we would have that as pleased as man with us to dwell now i probably you lose a bit of the poetry don't you you do and i think i do totally appreciate the argument that says hold on the everyone knows this is from a different time yeah don't mess with it you know people just want to close their eyes and sing it they don't want to be and i get that um, but if I was writing it today, or if someone came to me with it today and they had all that exclusive language, I'd say, hold on, you know, and, and not every, you know, not every woman is concerned about it. Um, yeah. but, but some are, and for some people it would be a bit of a stumbling block. And it's, it, to me, it's kind of lazy to use that kind of language. Yeah. yeah, I agree. I think I agree. It, that It's that lazy point. It's, it, you know, this is a songwriting podcast. So, you know, we can always go back and analyse what's gone before. But when we're thinking about how do we write worship songs for the congregation to sing, then it, it's lazy to leave stuff like that. If you could actually, when you're writing it, you can always do something about it, can't you? Yeah. And, and that's, you know, that's where I struggle with some songs that get pretty big, but actually have some of that exclusive language in. And you just think, I don't know, even, even, even from the point of view of uh, evangelism, I think we've got to be we've got to be careful even if everybody else in your church thinks it's fine yeah um i think you're putting up a barrier by saying um am i allowed to use an example i don't know well, well what is it the delirium <laughs> it's your song John. hang on i'm just gonna phone our lawyers uh, <laughs> um, they said if you call it the delibulous no one will know okay there's a delibulous song where they sing <laughs> knowing i'm a sinful man and i just think yeah. it's unnecessary and it you know, it half rhymes with blood of the lamb, but yeah, I think they could have, I think they could have thought that through a little bit. They could. They're pretty good songwriters, aren't they? they yeah. I mean, it's not like, it's not outside their capacity. No, absolutely. No, absolutely not. So, okay, here's my, my very, my controversial um, thing. I, I think the weakest bit of the song, I suppose lyrically, is the main bit. 
Hark! The Herald Angels Sing. Because um, when people sing it in church, that's, that is the, that's the note you hit, isn't it? That's yeah. what you belt out. And all the arms go up. And people are singing the word hark, but they're in their minds they're thinking the word praise. Yeah. They're thinking they're thinking, Praise the Lord, da, 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 glory to the and so on. Yeah. Um and I think that is a for me that's the that's the week I would love to go back to George Whitfield and say, I really love what you've you know, your little tweak on this is really good, but what about starting with the word praise or something? Because then hundreds of years later we could all we could <laughs> hit that hit that word. Yeah. Um and it's also interesting that um, and this has been really petty, but th- we are a bit petty, aren't we, when it comes to songwriting sometimes? Go ahead, Joel. Well, it's... What is it actually... The, the actual main line is, Hark that listen to the angels singing, which in the, in the biblical accounts, they don't necessarily... Well, they don't sing as... Well, I don't know. Maybe they were singing, but we're told they said. So that's, you yeah. know, that's all right. But also, they don't sing glory to the newborn king. They sing like... Uh, Wesley originally did glory to the king of kings you know glory to god in the highest heaven mm. um and it's just it's an interesting little thing that i i think that line because it is the absolute that's the one you go away singing um yeah if only it had a if only it was praise something something and it was just kind of kind of stronger but yeah it is yeah hairs. no I, I think i see what you mean i mean it we know theologically that you know, the baby Jesus was worshipped by. Um, but I think it's interesting that how, you know, someone like Wesley would have wanted to stay as close as possible to, yeah. the, to the biblical. And that's probably why he didn't like the changes. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's it's an interesting one. What do you have any? Because, you know, stuff you do with engaged worship is about is more broadly about kind of enabling worship and so on. Do you? How would you? What would you do with this song, in a, in a contemporary service? But you know, there are lots of different versions around and so mm. on. Last year, uh, my pastor actually preached on using this as his basis. So he took some of the lines from the hymn, and he kind yeah. of you know went off from them and used the the biblical references and stuff to to actually unpack. Because you know, lots of people sing the lines, but they don't necessarily. Uh, know what they're what they're singing about so um and i wrote some prayers as a response um so the 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 person leading the prayer says a bit of the prayer and then they say hark the herald angels sing and then everyone responds glory to the newborn king um and so it kind of talks about the hark bit the listening and then it goes on to say we hear your promise of peace on earth but we know the nations have not yet embraced your peace and it kind of specifically prays for for places of, of war um we hear about the incarnate deity that you're pleased to dwell with us in flesh and blood may we know you as emmanuel god with us may we yeah. share your prayers so it's kind of trying to unpack it in a prayerful way as well as uh, so actually by way. using the prayers you you get to explore a little bit of what it's about and that's actually a really good compliment to singing it because again just so often you've got in christmas you've got people there who don't know the the story they certainly don't know the our prophecies from isaiah and obscure bits from zephaniah or wherever they other bits come from do they exactly so you know I, I think that's it's one of the ways that we can use hymns and even modern songs that have slightly obscure references you know is to is to kind of unpack them either just a prayer that's kind of off the cuff or a written yeah. prayer or a video or uh, stuff like that can really help but if people are interested that's uh, available on engage worship if you just cool. kind of cool. search i've got an uh, i've got a little idea which is uh, i'm just going over here to get my guitar um yeah this is a we did this in our 
in our Resound Christmas concerts last year. It was a nice way of just kind of keeping that feel that we did from... Um... Gorgeous. Thank you. The thing I like about that is that you sing the song pretty much exactly the same pace with exactly the same melodies you'd do if you had an organ, but you just change the the, the, the kind of the tempo, the inner tempo of the backing, yeah. and yeah, something different. And I, I mean, what you've done there is you've stripped a lot of the chord changes out, haven't you? So that whereas in those more traditional hymns, you just want to bang around a bit more there. Um, yeah, sorry. In those traditional hymns. You know, there's pretty much a chord change every bar, and that ability to strip them out and just do one sorry, a chord change every beat. Uh, but with this, you've you know, you've just stripped a lot of them out, and it's much more, um, yeah, I don't know, contemporary. So we're into the workshop. So now we're turning, we, you know, we've looked at a classic and uh, we're now saying, okay, say I wanted to start writing a song for Christmas that my congregation could sing. And we've just, um, we've pulled out a few thoughts, haven't we, of, um, I've got a few ideas and then um, Sam, you're going to throw in a few as well. So the first one, my first point is, um, is find something to say. Now, to be honest, this is true whenever you start writing a song, but I think perhaps particularly so with Christmas because it's such a well-known story and a lot of our understanding and our um, memory of the story comes from Christmas carols and so on. So first of all, go and read the biblical accounts and just make some note. You know, if something, maybe something in there that you think, I never noticed that before, or look for what's, whatever I always thought was part of the biblical account that's not there and then go and look at some of the old testament prophecies as well you know, t- basically take some time to prepare find out what actually happened um and what does the bible actually say because then you can start to think about a what inspires you to worship from that but also what kind of truth are you trying to get into your song i did that for the song you bring peace which is on our christmas album um which is based on isaiah 9 and we all know those words you know, wonderful counsellor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. And I knew I wanted that to be in there. But there's also some pretty hideous stuff there. You know, the every um, soldier's boot washed in blood or something. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if, you, if you've ever done a bit of Bible study on that or heard a sermon about that, you'll know that actually the context is pretty grisly. Um, and we can forget that. We can forget the some of the darker sides of Christmas, you know, you got just after the story you know you've got the the killing of the innocent children as jesus flees mm. for egypt and i do think it's worth um you know sometimes exploring some of those darker sides and that's what i tried to do with you 
with you bring peace just to, could try and bring in some of those those slightly negative um emotions but it's quite interesting though with that one because you know songs get used in ways you don't expect i kind of thought it would be used in advent maybe christmas um it turned out because it had that element of like um thinking about those who mourn uh yeah. I, I actually was leading worship at a friend's funeral and they requested oh, uh, wow. that the song be used because it talked about uh you bring joy in the midst of our grief yeah. and musically it's quite minor and somber um yeah so it's, it's weird how you know songs take on a different life and also when we did the christmas recording uh the weeksy boys that um produced it for us they musically they just took it in a completely different this kind of yeah, I, it does. I, I don't know it's sort of trip hoppy it's it sounds like it's gone through massive attacks filter or something <laughs> yeah. um which yeah, I, there, is, there is a massive attack plugin you can get on exactly you, yeah. you just sing into it i think that's what it was and um no, I mean I love it. It sounds great and it it works really well, I think. Um uh, but it yeah. it is amazing when you when you write a song, you don't always know where it's going to go and if you're open to that, it, you know, things things can happen. Should we go on to the poetry? So mm. my se- I think my second point with the with um Christmas songs is it's just a crime if you ever write a Christmas song that doesn't have some kind of poetry in it. <laughs> and what do I mean by that is is that poetry of contrasts because the incarnation is so full of contrast, paradox, tension. Uh, to describe anything about God becoming Matt, uh, God becoming human. Um, <laughs> I think you saved that one there. Yeah, I, did, I don't think anyone will have noticed. No. Um, to describe anything about that without drawing some kind of poetry out of it is, I think, is a tragedy because there's just so much available to you and song after song can come along which explores some of that i think a great example is in um matt's song on christmas day um there's loads of stuff in that where he keeps talking about where he oh time and again i'm just looking at the words now the lord of heaven draws near to us it's just it's a simple little idea but it's it's the the transcendent and the imminent in one line he has those lines majestic king now small and weak that's another one a little contrast mm. the word of god must learn to speak it's absol- i just think that is an absolute genius line yeah. but people sing that and it and it inspires us because through speaking poetically he helps us to see so much more deeply and, and in some ways so much more clearly all that god did coming as a as a human baby the idea the word of god who we you know in the beginning was the word through every, him everything was created must learn to speak it's so so many opportunities for poetry so that's matt osgood who's one of our resound writers if people aren't familiar with him um and the song's called on christmas day and it is really it, i think you know it's just it's just a great song and it's got that modern feel as well i don't know if you're gonna be getting onto that joel but just it, it also it it doesn't feel like a period piece. There's yes. a bit of a danger with um, writing some Christmas songs is that you think, oh, I've got to make it sound Christmassy or I've got yeah. to... So, and, and actually, this this sounds like, you know, musically, like a song you'd use any time of the year, um, but it but it's, you know, lyrically got all those things. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think the, that, that question about the music, that's our third point, is about, you know, sometimes these are going to be things you only sing once a year. You're certainly going to introduce them at Christmas. And particularly if you think... If you might sing them when other people come into your church, then actually you've really got just try as hard as you can to write them in the musical vernacular of of your context, so that when people start to sing it, it just naturally sit. You know, the 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 style, the melodies, the kind of expression that you use in it just sits naturally on the voice of people. Then they'll quickly 
be able to um, quickly be able to grab hold of it. Um, we'll we'll talk in far more detail about how you actually write a catchy, memorable, simple song. But I think that's something really to bear in mind because actually there's so much to say about Christmas and the incarnation and all that it means. You could get completely carried away, couldn't you? And actually, that you need to hold yourself back a little bit sometimes. We're not short of Christmas songs that have a lot to say, actually, are we? They tend to be because we sing quite a lot of Victorian type stuff, and there's about four or five verses and so on. Um, she being able to write something which is which is simple that gives a, I mean that's the sort of thing that really blessed your church actually that it just gives a bit of space to res, to re- respond in worship mm. doesn't have too much to say um that's valuable because I don't think we have a lot or not that well not a lot that I know of yeah I agree I mean we end up using light of the world quite a bit the Tim Hughes song because yeah. it's got that theme of incarnation but it moves on to and here I am to worship and, yeah, and it's simple, you know, and people know it. So maybe, maybe that's an angle people could take. Yeah, and the final point is um, about how you turn a story song into a worship song, because I think there's a lot of story to tell at Christmas. Um, Sam, what do you? I'm going to turn to you for this because I think you're better than me at it. But how do you take a story and turn it into an expression of worship? I think you need those moments when when you you have some lyrically some sense of and now i am bowing the knee i'm worshiping um and so um you've got that joel in your song um so bow down to worship the humblest that says it exactly exactly nice one nicely queued up see what you did there um you know but you you've got a lot of kind of poetic and you do kind of tell the story in the verses but your your chorus is there in terms of you know so therefore i'm going to come and i'm going to give of myself um the way that it worked for me with the song searching for a baby was that again my pastor um said that his theme he had this idea for one year that his theme was going to be um that we all think that we're searching for god but actually, mm. the, the the truth of Christmas is that God is searching for us. That Jesus came to seek and save the lost. So He's yeah. the one, you know, coming towards us. It's not that we are going towards Him so much. It's primarily that He is coming towards us as as Christ. And uh, and so for me, that was like a you know light bulb moment um, for a song because I thought, well, that's that's got loads of of fresh potential. And uh, so I started thinking about the metaphors of seeking and searching and looking, and I ended yeah. up. Um, my my song um it has echoes of both the wise men and the shepherds and the fact that they're seeking and they're um yeah. you know that it has it has has echoes of those stories in the lyrics but it's not as overt as saying and the wise men came and they were searching but it, it tries to do that so um you know if people are interested they can look look it up it's called searching for a baby um but for me um that was that was one of those songs where I wanted to have an element of story, but I also wanted to have an element of it being congregational. Um, yeah. And I, I think it's the sort of song that people would, in all honesty, use both ways. They would probably perform it as a solo item or a choir item or something. But I think it's also possible to use it as a, as a, a congregational piece. I think we should make that our featured song this time, uh, Searching for a Baby. So what we'll do at the end of the podcast is we will play it in its entirety and you can of course go to resoundworship.org to find 
the resources for it mp3s lead sheets backing tracks piano score choir score there's all sorts of stuff and it's also that's also included in our, our christmas concert pack which i ought to just tell you a tiny little bit more about before we finish tell us joel so so well so last year we went and did a couple of christmas concerts it was great um and we got to perform so to speak the the stuff that we've done on our christmas songs recording um and this year we just trying to think about how do we resource the church with what we've got and so one of the things we're doing is actually we're going to go and do another couple of concerts and and this time what we've done is we've actually arranged all of the songs on the christmas songs album for a band lead singer and kind of backing choir so rather than think songs of praise you've got to slightly think more x factor or, or that kind of thing where the backing choir is there singing along um and what we've actually done is put all of that into a, a diy concert pack so that actually any church could get hold of all that material it's got backing tracks so you could sing along with them or lead sheets so you can use your band it's all arranged to fit perfectly with the christmas album so you can literally practice along with the christmas album if you want um, and we're even going to do if people want the pack we'll do a special offer on on the cds as well so you know the whole choir could get them and can take them home and can practice along with them so we've literally just made that available um and I hope um, be a really good resource for Christmas. There's there's also a whole, you know if you want to do it as a, as a whole concert, you can. There's a running order. There's readings, prayers, all these kinds of things. Well, I think that's. I really think it's a it's a good resource, Joel, because I know that you know, having worked for churches as as a worship minister, you're always looking on the out for new material, and just to be have to be able to have something like this, which is kind of all really done for you. And of course, people can then take that and they can adapt it. They can chuck in some other songs or cut some of the songs out or whatever but i yeah. i know you know you even included uh i understand someone made a rather nice powerpoint for you uh yeah someone in sweden oh i think it nice, was nice of them um so yeah. you know it's all it's all done unless you yeah. want to add your own you know your own stamp on it which would be great you as could, well you could put your yeah you could have a you could sing a tradition well we've even put a couple of our own spin on uh traditional carols in there as well just to kind of make a whole whole concert of it nice so that's the end of our Razan worship songwriting podcast number one next time we're going to be talking about collaboration and critique that's something that's really important to us as Razan songwriters we really want to share with you some of what we do and ways that you could get collaboration and critique going where you are you can get in touch with us either by emailing podcast at resoundworship.org. That's podcast at resoundworship.org. You can follow us on Twitter, tweet us at resoundworship. Is that what we're called? Yeah. You can follow <laughs> us on Twitter, tweet us. <laughs> Sorry, second. There you go, at resoundworship. Um, and search for us on Facebook, resoundworship.org as well. Um, get in touch with us we'd love to respond to some of your questions tell us what you want to know what what would help you where you're based in what you're doing with your songwriting Sam it's been a pleasure until next time how do we say goodbye in Swedish hey do
searching for a king. He isn't in a palace. Have you seen him? We're following this bright star. Somewhere back we lost the way. Could someone tell us where this child is laid? Put our trust in Him today.